Whiskey and Watches podcast. On this week's episode, well, I'll just keep it short because it's safe to say it's all about new releases. And by new releases, I mean a lot of them. So get ready and sit back because it's time for another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 58 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, 58 episodes in. There's a lot to cover. February just ended. As you can tell, we're procrastinating. It is March 1st. Um, this is going to drop at some point on March 2nd, we think, <laughs> depending on Spangler's <laughs> travel schedule to tomorrow um, and his testing schedule. It will get dropped. It'll get dropped. Yeah. <laughs> One of both tomorrow. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but it seems like everybody has released something since. Uh, the last week and probably some stuff that we haven't covered yet um, just with some of the guests we've had on as well. So we got a lot of stuff to cover. Um, so we might as well just jump right in. Uh, Buzzy, what's in the glass? What's on wrist? All right, Spence. Well, since Spence let it slip that we are recording Monday night, it's Manhattan Monday for the buzz man. I have uh, slightly tweaked my recipe since last week, we are now going with two and a half parts Weller green to one part Dolan sweet for me. Mm. Still one shake of uh, cherry bitters, 40 shakes in a metal uh, shaker. Fill, that, fill it up with ice. It's important to count your shakes so you get the same amount of melted ice in your drink each time. It's going to lead to a more consistent drink. And also two Luxardo cherries. Uh, I, I did receive a great uh, tip from uh, Pandolfo, uh, Mike, to use the excess uh, cherry juice in in the uh, Luxardo uh, as a base for old fashions instead of the simple syrup. Ooh, I can see that. So going really I'm good. Going yeah. to be, I'm going to be trying that one. <laughs> All right. Manhattan Monday meets Manta Mondays. I am bringing all the M's. To you, dear listener, I'm rocking my SkyQuest Black. I uh, I do love it still. You, you just can't beat that micro adjust. You can't beat the slip under cuffness of it. I actually went to work for a while today. It's kind of kind of nice. So, yeah. Sky Quest. I will still fully admit that that fourth hand on there is just there to look cool. I don't use it for anything <laughs> except looking cool. And it looks cool. And I need, and I need all the help mm-hmm. I can get. So that's what's on the wrist and in my glass. Evan, what 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 you up to? Um. Well, you probably know what's on the wrist. It's going to be the dock, so let's be honest here. Um, I haven't been wearing anything else besides this bad boy for uh, the week. Aside from my testing, when I take tests, I wear the Omega. But every other day, it's been the Doxa. Um, and in the glass, as we alluded to earlier in the episode, I do have a busy day tomorrow. So I'm drinking some fantastic Cincinnati H2O to uh, hydrate myself for my busy day full of nonsense tomorrow. H2 flow. Because I'm going to need it. H2 nice. flow. <laughs> so question, question for you on that doxing. Mm-hmm. How do we think it would look on a Jubilee? Oh, 
it, the, the question has definitely passed my mind. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> I need to get, uh, that's the one thing I need to uh, invest in is a straight link Jubilee or a yeah, straight in link Jubilee. That's the one thing I don't have. I have like four different types of Jubilees upstairs right now, but I do not have a straight in linked Jubilee, which is what I need. So if this one is going to go on one, it's going to be going on that one. As I say, you need a straight end link for that. Um, but also maybe one that goes from, is it a 20 millimeter or is it 22? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. it's 20. Maybe one that extends 20, from yeah. 20 to 24. Maybe use it on both the Panerai and the, uh, our listeners are still waiting for that Panerai <laughs> uh, on the Jubilee. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I need to make that, take that plunge one of these we, days. I really do. Really but uh, do. no, I've, I've got this. If you guys, obviously the listeners, you cannot see this, but I've got it on a Stabe Milanese, Ooh. which kind of uh, changes it up a little bit. It know, does. A little, bit of a, a little bit of a change of pace. Still kind of looks Doxa-esque, but uh, yeah, looks good. I've been wearing it on this for a little bit, and I've uh, kind of been digging it. It's pretty legit. Yeah. It's a strap monster, at least for NATOs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. For sure. All right. Well, I will bring it home. Uh, I too have a Weller Manhattan, um, but I went, I went quick and dirty today. So it is just, uh, you know, like I said, I mix this visually. I know what color it's supposed to be. And if it's not the right color, I add more of whatever ingredient I need based on taste. Um, that's how I get it consistent. I taste it. Um, and I don't have a cherry because, uh, I don't have any Luxardos and i just didn't really feel like adding one in. And I went a little bit different I went with my orange bitters tonight. So it's, uh, just a little bit different, but I'm, I'm really digging it. Got my ice sphere in my in my um, highball glass with the university's logo on it, and I am really enjoying that. And as we said today, um, it is March 1st, which means it is El Primero Day, if you will. Or as Brodinky likes to mention, it, it is the another chronograph came out first day. Uh, <laughs> he was trolling us in, the, uh, in his stories, which... I would, ex- I would expect nothing less from our buddy Brodinky. So uh, also saw that the contest winners have their, uh, have their straps in and those look pretty legit. That was uh, mm-hmm. pretty sharp. So, uh, but I have on wrist the uh, El Primero Chronomaster 38, um, which because I've got a, not, not a huge collection, but because I try to rotate through my watches as much as I can, um, I haven't worn this one in the better part of a week. Um, actually a little bit longer than that. And you just forget how well it wears. Like I, I start to think that obviously the Tudor and the Omega are staying for sentimental reasons. Cause they're going to the two kids. But like, if I had to get rid of everything else, I'd be really hard pressed to keep something other than this, just because 38 millimeters, just the, the case fits amazingly. It goes on. You can put it on a bunch of different straps. Technically, it is kind of a pain because it's 19, but you can kind of squeeze a 20 millimeter in there. Um, the bracelet's great. Just it, it wears amazingly well, and it's got that El Primero movement in it, which is just so stinking cool. Uh, will be a little bit pricier to service when you need to service it down the road, but um, just <laughs> absolutely love this thing. It just, it's just such a classic, classic watch. Um, so... That's uh, that's where I'm at on it. I, it it doesn't get enough wrist time because I don't wear it every day. Like it's a watch you could legit, legitimately wear every day. They say it's like 13, but like two of that is the crystal. It just it it's awesome. I absolutely love this thing. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Yeah. It's El Primero Day. I was pretty pumped. My picture got picked up by Zenith again in their stories. Gotta love it. <laughs> Gotta love it when one of the big brands uh, 
one of the big Hodinky brands picks you up. <laughs> Plus, wait, wait, didn't didn't we have one of our photos picked up by um? What's the thing that Brodinky was talking about? The shout out on uh oh uh, oh on Everest, Everest, yeah. So that was fun. They 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 yeah. did the best memes they've seen this month, uh, and obviously our buddy Bro was featured in that. Uh, so was your authorized dealer. Um, but they also picked up on the snow dinky um, hashtag, <laughs> which technically I thought we were the first to start. I was like, how's nobody done this? But I did go back and look on the hashtag. There were two <laughs> other folks uh, whose usernames escape me. I will, I will mention them in the show notes or something, or we'll give them a shout out next week. Um, just because I'm, I'm not going to look it up right now offhand, but there were two other folks who've done that, like within a couple of days of me doing that um, on our account. But snow dinky is a really fun hashtag. Although, I can't do it anymore because there's no more snow left in Cincinnati. Although there might still be a little bit from the big mound that was plowed at the end of my street. So if I really wanted to, I could walk a hundred yards and my neighbors can all think I'm weird, but no more snow dinky for Spence uh, for until next year. But I'm really looking forward to when we bring it back next season. That'll be a lot of fun. It's going to return. We're going to make it a thing again, just like leather NATOs. And what was the other thing we're doing? Leather NATOs, Jubilee. Jubilees, a um, couple more things. Always. There's some more things we're making things. Anyway, (laughs) (sighs) well, speaking of things, uh, a lot of we're going to skip fresh form finds because there's just so many things that people have released lately. There's been a lot of new watches, uh, some that we just have kind of with guests not covered yet. Um, And then uh, just some other ones that have released in the last like week since we recorded last um, so I think we should start out with some of the Orises or or I, as I like to call them, that we haven't covered yet. Uh, a couple of them have been released in the last couple of weeks. One's a little bit older, uh, and I don't know why we haven't really talked about it yet. Uh, so we'll start with the new uh, Carl Brashear uh, limited edition in bronze. Um, it's their Diver 65. It's got a newer version of the Caliber 400. It's the Caliber 401 because it's got the small seconds at six. Uh, navy blue dial, really cool. Um, bronze comes on like a Marine National. Uh, elastic strap just a really good looking watch um what do you guys think i mean personally when i when i look at this i i'm not the biggest fan when it comes to bronze watches in general so that's already one little i guess demerit in my mind i i do though like the dial color how it matches the bronze i think dark blue navy blue and green dials go great with bronze so they did a great job there um however that being said i don't know if i like the small sub dial in the bottom because it just doesn't feel like a dive watch should have a small second sub dial on it or maybe I'm just crazy in thinking that, but I just don't know how I feel about that. They've done it on other um, models, but it's more at nine o'clock and it's kind of like that little like pyramid. Yeah. Thing. I, I know they've done it before. Um, yeah. And, and obviously Panerai does it at nine and you know, that's an iconic Panerai look. I just think this looks too much like a, I, I guess, mid-century dress watch, small seconds at the bottom. And it, it just doesn't fit the aesthetic of a dive watch in my opinion. You see, I will take the other side of that argument. I really like small seconds. I think that, and I mean, obviously, all this stuff's just aesthetics, right? Um, <laughs> you could make some argument that in low light conditions, it might be easier 
to see that the watch is still running with central seconds versus a small seconds. But I mean, how often are we really, is anyone actually reliant on that? We're not, we're not (laughs) to be completely honest. We're not, we, uh, unlike Carl Brashear, most of us are not divers. (laughs) Yes. And when he was diving, he may have actually been reliant on that. Exactly. Now, I, I think it's slick. I, I don't have any small seconds, but I would like some. Um, and I I think it's cool. The I also kind of like the the arced words around the um, around that sub second style. Um, yeah, I, I can see how that might not be uh, to your taste. I like it. I like it. It's a neat setup. And my only thing on about that, like virtually every bronze watch is, um, I like bracelets. So Mm -hmm. your options are typically limited, but so I, I buzzy, I agree with you. I am more of a bracelet guy. Um, and I actually, Spangler's completely right. The dark tones that they've used in their bronze watches have been fantastic. I absolutely love the frit- the Fratelloris that I have. That that deep deep red is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. So like the the navy blue is fantastic. The greens they've used have been great. Like it's they get the color schemes right. I like. I actually really like the small seconds, and I actually kind of like that it's a little bit dressier. Uh, especially with that bronze tone, if you don't try to make it green, it could kind of work as like, it's not really like at at 40 millimeters, I think it's at 40 millimeters. Like it's not going to wear like a a mid-century dress watch, but it is kind of cool to have that aesthetic um, despite it being on a Marine Nationale strap, which I do like bronze hardware. It's perfect. Um, Mm -hmm. The only, uh, my only gripe we were talking about, I don't know whether it's that I don't like the curved writing on the outside of the sub seconds or the five days in the middle that are straight. So like, I feel like the the combination of the curved with the straight right next to it just kind of throws me off a little bit, like move the five days to the, I know that's something they're very, very proud of. And I get why they are like, I get that they're excited about that technical achievement and that new movement. So that's fine. I just, I don't know that I like it on the dial of this watch. You know, it's, it's great on the Aquas. I don't mind it there. Uh, but because the text is curved and then straight and there's all those lines of text right next to each other, to me, just, I don't know, put it somewhere else or make it curved somehow or make the other ones straight or don't have the, I don't know. There's just, it's a very nice looking watch. That's just like, it's, it's a very, very minor complaint. Like I really like that they put that movement in that piece. Um, like we said, we're going to start seeing that movement in a lot of other pieces. I really like what they're doing. The color scheme looks great. It's just, there's, it's just, to me, that's just a one like little thing. The other thing I really wish they would do buzzy to your point, um, bronze watches don't usually get bracelets. However, however, our friends at Oris did make a bronze bracelet last year. I know that there's nowhere near a market for this. And this is just me sounded absolutely crazy, but like if they made just like a few of the rivet oyster bracelets and said, Hey, if you want, we've got a few of these, you could buy them and it fits all of our bronze diver 65s. And I do know people have bought 
for the um, the two tone, the one that has the the bronze bezel center link, and they have the one with the bronze center link. I know people can buy you can buy those. My complaint is that I do actually kind of I, I do actually really like the bracelet that comes on the big crown pointer date. Like that kind of, it's not quite Jubilee, not quite mesh, not quite beads. Like it's, it's kind of that weird, like very flexible. Um, I don't know exactly how to describe that bracelet. And if they made one of those in bronze, I would probably already own it. Like, let's be real. That, that big crown pointer date in bronze on a bronze bracelet would be so cool. It would be so cool. Uh, I would wear like I would wear that thing in the summer all the time and just let it get nice and dark. <laughs> I wouldn't try to make it go green because like that's not my aesthetic, but like a nice deep dark patinaed bronze on that would uh, be so cool. So I know that's probably a stretch. There's not that big of a market for for people wanting that many bronze bracelets. But if you guys ever decided to make a prototype and wanted to sell it, I'd probably buy the one for the big crown pointer. Let's be real. <laughs> Like if you guys did that, I would be interested. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right, okay. Let, let, so back next point on this watch, though. Oh, Buzz, what do you got? Uh, I just wanted to point out the one thing that uh, is very good here is we're starting to see the Calibre uh, four hundred get outside of its initial home uh, of the new Aquas, and an LE makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, to do that so well, and that, they modified it too which makes great. me it, they modified yes. it for the small second so that means they're gonna probably modify it for other things which is which is absolutely great like not only is it gonna find its way into other pieces but like they're gonna add modules to it and do other stuff which i think is exactly what they're known for and what like what i'm most excited about seeing how they how they play with that movement and you said one last thing absolutely. spangler yeah oh no buzz stole it that was the exact oh, yeah. comment I was going to make. 100%. Nice. That was exactly what I was nice. going to say. Miss, yep. Mr. Steal, your comments. <laughs> Watch out, folks. So the, uh, the next one that we should talk about is the Whale Shark Limited Edition that just came out, which is a cool piece. Uh, it reminds me a decent amount of the um, Terry Sport, uh, kind of similar yes. color scheme, which makes sense. Like, the, like it makes sense for because whale sharks are pretty much that same color. Um, but significantly different dial treatment, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, it's got like the, the kind of like the scales and the bumps, uh, that you would get on, on a shark skin, which is, it's, it's pretty neat. It's a, it's a pretty good look. Um, I'm more partial to the carries for, I, I like their, their bright sunray finish. Um, uh, but it's neat that they're trying something new. It's a great color scheme. It's got the GMT feature. Um, uh, it's a great watch. I really like this one too. Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, this watch, I look at it, and this dial is freaking awesome. Like, I haven't really looked at the high-res photos of it until about right now, but it really does resemble, like, shark skin scale type stuff going on. And it's great. It also has a GMT on it, too, which is always a great feature to have. And, you know, I like the Aquas line because they're dive watches that are great all-around dive watches for not too much money. Like, you're not paying eight, 9,000 for a sub when you can get this and it does everything it's supposed to, which is why I love docs as well. Like they're good all around great dive watches for great value for the money. So I think Oris did a great job with this. And plus it has a ceramic bezel, which looks awesome on it. Love ceramic bezels. I would love to see one of these in real life um, because the texture looks super slick, but I also love the, 
uh, record track grooves on on the GMT. Um, the minute track is a different texture, and they did the colors just so subtly where they work both of those bezel colors into the dial. Like just very, very clutch. Um, just great work all around. I hate that I'm going to say this, but I'm going to use that uh, whiss terminology here, but the, the pop of color <laughs> with the orange. You did it! <laughs> <laughs> looks great. I have to say it. I'm looking at it. It looks amazing. Great choice, Horace, on that uh, that orange pop of color. I I think that we could actually play a different game. Um, one of these days, I'll uh, try to set up a bingo card generator that the listeners can uh, can do, and they can you know mark off if we use pop of color or plays with the light or anything like that. And then whoever gets bingo first, uh, you know, we can send them a Jubilee or something. You know, that would be funny. <laughs> one link. A whiskey and watch Jubilee. Send, I'd be all send, about we, that. We can buy you. We can send him one link to a Jubilee bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Um, and then, so we're, we're moving on. The one that was most recently released by Oris is their new uh, Cherry Red Aquas. This is just a regular Aquas. It doesn't have the new Caliber 400 in it, but it's got the, um, it's the one that has the kind of Yachtmaster-esque bezel. I don't remember exactly what they call that. It's like a relief bezel. So it's like the, got the raised numerals on it. Uh, a nice, deep red sunburst or sun ray finish, like Actually, this of the three that have come out recently, this is, I think, my favorite. You don't see very many red dials, and you don't see very many that are like more of a subtle deep red. Like the Moser that came out, the Pioneer is a bright, bright red. Like the shirt that not that anybody can see, like the shirt I'm wearing. I mean, the Moser dial is a lot more attractive than the shirt I'm wearing, but I'm wearing a red shirt, so it is very red. This is a nice deep cherry, and I think just absolutely fantastic. This is another. This is the one I would like to see in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think size-wise at 41.5, I think it's a much more reasonable option than I believe the the previous one, the uh, the whale shark was 43 and a half. But you look at this thing, it just looks so sleek. Yeah. It looks so good. It looks just like a machine. And I'd love to try it out on the wrist because, you know, the the numerals pop and that bezel looks great. And I is this I don't I don't know offhand, but is this the first stainless steel bezel that Oris no, has done on one of these options. they've done a couple other ones it, they're they're, I, they're not as common but i i have seen them before yeah. um and i mean not to complain about the not great. to complain about the 43 and a half millimeter aquas we had one of the new caliber 400 aquases in and 43 and a half like i've got that picture of it next to my tutor and my omega that are both 41 mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to tell any difference so the 41 and a half is going to wear even smaller like it's i would prefer that one i think over the 43 but the 43 is not huge by any means. It's not like a massive 43 millimeters. It, it, because it has next to no lugs and it's almost they have yeah, short they have very short yeah. lugs. Mm-hmm. It wears really well. Uh, but that just means that this one the, at 41 will probably wear closer to 39, which we all know anything under 40 whisk go nuts for. We all know this. <laughs> yeah. 39, 38. That's, that's utopia. I'm wearing for for the online <laughs> whisk. 
So, yeah. Buzz, what do you think? Yeah, Slack. I like it. I would like to... I think that I would uh, probably go with with a different colorway. I would, I would be more interested uh, in that. Uh, just because... It's a good red, but I'm also not, not, I guess I'm just not a red watch guy. I just don't, uh, that's, that's not the next color I need to, to build out in my collection. In fairness, nice, what colors nice do you silver? have? Those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we got, I mean, Buzz, if you, if you get this, it, it is literally called the cherry. And I mean, you're a big Luxardo cherry this fan. This is true. I am. This is true. Well, this would pair great with the Manhattan. We'll we'll wait for the Luxardo edition then. It'd be even darker. <laughs> It'd be even darker. I love it. I mean, yeah. it, it, let's let's be real. A, a red watch. It, you'd be. This isn't probably going to be your first watch. This also isn't. No. It can't be your everyday watch either. Like so. That's the like. This is very much a because they can watch, and I absolutely love yeah. that. But. You're right. Like this is not a watch that somebody come in and looking for like a, an everyday watch is going to be, unless you like really like that color and wear it a ton, which red is a, I mean, I enjoy it, but like you don't see it in a lot. Like it's more of the accent color. So I guess if you, if you want to have a nice accent color, it could be your daily watch, but like it, it is a, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. It just, I don't think it's anybody's like everyday, everyday watch in theory. I guess I could be wrong. I don't know everybody. This is, this is like a good fun beach watch or like out kayaking type of watch just for one or two days in the weekend. It's a good weekend outdoorsy adventure kind oh, of yeah. watch. It'd be a great fall watch too. It's a deep red. Those, the fall colors kind of, that'd be a good fall watch as well. Yeah. Um, not that I don't wear all my watches all the time. So, you know, <laughs> that is, that's quite a bit from Oris. They, you know, they, they continue to, to strike sli- a slightly different path, which is always fun. Um, good to see them doing fun stuff. We have a couple other one-offs before we dive into the meat of who released stuff. Why don't we go with uh, our friends at, at Tag? I say friends loosely because we literally don't know anybody at Tag. Or So there's two different ones. I mean, I guess we can talk about the Tag or Porsche Carrera because those two companies realized, hey, we use this word a lot. Um, we should do something together. Let's make it really big. <laughs> yeah. Just like the Porsche 911 Carrera, the uh, Tag Heuer Carrera has grown quite a bit since its inception. Like, let's be real. New 911s dwarf old 911s. New Carreras dwarf old Carreras. Um, I know they've come out with a couple other new ones too, but they're all like they're all 45 millimeters, and I can't imagine they wear small. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I've I've like seriously thought thought about these new Carreras and how they look and what they're going for. And obviously people played ties in with the new Zenith Chronomaster Sport of Daytona. But I think this new Carrera may be even more, I mean, obviously, like we said, nobody owns the market on ceramic bezels. So you can make a ceramic bezel chronograph and just go with it. But this watch also has Daytona vibes to it. And I, I mean, I like the colorway. But you're right, Spence. The the watch is big. It is. It's probably a little bit too big. But I, I I'm a big fan of chronographs. I I like where they were going with this. And we've seen from Tag they are able to do small scale chronographs. Mm-hmm. 
with thin cases. And so I, and obviously they can see how fast, like obviously the new Houdinki, the limited edition that just came out, how fast those sell out. Obviously not with their 160th anniversary Carrera yet. Which but, is, because that's a gorgeous watch. That silver dial one. I know. That it, is it blows gorgeous. my mind. Yes. That is a fantastic 1860, watch. Eight, <laughs> 1865 pieces. I cannot believe it has not sold out yet. It's unbelievable. You can still buy it on multiple websites, which is crazy. Um, but I mean, they should know by now that like, obviously the whisk community goes crazy Oh yeah, for 39 mil watches. Actually. And I think the more of that, what I would say Spangler, I mean, if it was, if it wasn't, it may not be 45, it may be 44, but like if it was at 42 and I think it's like 16 yeah. thick, which I don't actually really mind the thickness. The Seiko I just bought is technically 16. Two of it's in the crystal. It wears better. But that's the thing. Like I know Seiko's, one, because I've tried that one on. Seiko's wear better for bigger, thicker watches. Like they just do. Like Seiko has figured out how to make a 44 wear like 41. And they've been doing it forever. Just mm-hmm. the way they do things. Where I've not tried on very many tags. So I don't know if this 44 is going to wear like 42 at 16 or if it's going to wear every bit as big as it sounds. So that's fine. I mean, you're right. The, the older ones that came out earlier and or came out last year, they look nice. Like the colorways are good. Like the ceramic bezel looks nice. I actually like the fact that they kind of have like that gray grained bezel with the dark sub, like the dark black sub dials. It's a good looking watch. Mm-hmm. There's just one thing about it that I can't get past. And it's the same thing we talked about I, with other special editions, the whole car watch collaboration. We talked about this with our boy kid. Wizzle. All right. Yep. It says Porsche right there on the tachometer in bright red letters. And I don't drive a Porsche. It's kind of a, and it's, I just, I can't do it. Like if it was on the case back. Maybe like if it was maybe on the dial, just a small, but like it's the first, like where it would normally say tachometer, it says Porsche. And I just, I can't do that. I can't. Like just that's too much. You can't pull that off unless you drive one of those cars. I'm going to take the opposite side of this argument. Really? One of my biggest gripes. Yeah. One of my biggest gripes when it comes to watches, when they do collaborations is that you don't know it's a collaboration. They put stick it nowhere on the dial, nowhere on the case back and hardly ever on the bezel. So yes, it may not be in the best location, but at least again, a whiz terminology here. Pop a color, and I'm glad they <laughs> at least it tied twice it now. Porsche. It's uh, these watches are just asking for it here. This I mean, if you look at this watch, I mean, they both have small. Yeah, yeah I need to stop with that. I, I am. I'm. A, I'm glad they at least threw something in the tie in with Porsche because you're buying this for a Porsche tie in. You probably want it to say Porsche somewhere on the dial, so or on the watch or somewhere on the thing. So uh, good job, Tag, for doing it. Maybe not in the best location, but good job for tying it in somewhere on the watch. Does it come on a bracelet? I don't know. I think it does. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at these on Hodinkee, and they had a bunch of them on the straps. But, yes, it does come on the bracelet. Ich möchte einen Porsche zu fahren, aber ich möchte keinen Tag heuer Porsche zu kaufen. <laughs> so since nobody got that, what is you want to translate that, Google? To 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 me to me lie, Buzz. <laughs> I would I would like to drive a Porsche. However, I would not like to buy a tag heuer Porsche. <laughs> 
Niskalfen. Du hast recht, ja. Oh, jeez. Genau. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I guess there's there's one more that we should talk about. Uh, the the new uh, Hoyer data graph for Crown and Caliber. I mean, Hodinky. <laughs> <laughs> Both announced in the same week. Um, and then did, I love did the any thing- of us. What? Go ahead. Did any of us get the whole it's just going to have one subdial thing? I, I don't think we did. Well, you know, I was I, I kind of um, figured it might because the um, the Skipperera only had one, and there were all the art. There were the two articles about the Skipperera and its rise to prominence, and it being the you know the the, the uh, most sought after Hodinky LE, just like. Yeah. I mean, so maybe like I wasn't really thinking that it was going to, but. It kind of makes sense that the signs were there looking back, but like, I don't know. What do you guys think about this one? Gorgeous. I mean, it's good yeah, looking. It is. It's probably a little pricey. Yeah. I mean, your price per sub dial is, uh, is a little high. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your PPS? Yeah, your price yeah, per sub dial is high. high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus you're playing the, uh, the, the Hodinky tax on it. So, you know, you got to pay a little bit more for it, but. Yeah, like like stonks that uh, pricing only goes up. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I did. As soon as you press purchase, you gain three thousand dollars. I did find it interesting. The moon. <laughs> I did. So there are two things, and one I'm sure this was just a typo, uh, but I found it interesting. Um, oh yeah, Jeff from On the Dash, and again, I know Jeff still is mm-hmm. is working his day job as a corporate lawyer, or or had been for a while. Um, so I'm not really faulting him. So don't at me. I'm not being mean to Jeff because everybody loves Jeff. Um, but I did find it interesting that there was a, a bit of a typo and it said that there, it was a limited edition of 250 pieces and that tag and Hodinkee are each selling 150. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, maybe that is the lawyer math coming out that, you know, billable hours, you know, what? there's a joke in there. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not coming after <laughs> Jeff. I'm, I'm sure that was a typo, but it was just, I mean, it's a good looking watch. Um, it's not really, yeah, it's something I'm going to be lusting after because, you know, the whole Hodinkee limited edition thing has kind of gotten, I don't say out of hand, not for them. I mean, good for them. They can sell watches that quickly. Um, but like the hype around some of these things, it, I mean, really just about any, any of the watches that they do or that, that are out there that you can't really get. I mean, just, I don't know. It seems a little silly that. I mean, we were talking about it. Within a half hour, there were five of them on eBay for what three grand more than yeah. I mean, just it just yeah. that just seems silly, and it's like you know what are we what are we doing? And I mean, I don't mean that like any of our listeners here realistically, but like what's what what? <laughs> it's just a weird market spot to be in. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just one of the strange subcategories of the watch market is. that I guess we have to look. Well, with. Then, and unfortunately, more brands are picking up on that and going with it because i mean the joke is like so so we would say that you know the for for what it probably is again it's a good looking watch all three of us like it objectively it's an attractive Mm -hmm. watch the dimensions are great it's a unique unique feature set which is like like i am attracted to things that you don't see very often like it's 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 a neat piece but like the fact that people are saying oh it's a you know it it must be nice that hodinky knows they can charge whatever they want and it'll still sell out and then there are going to be people who probably try to buy it at 10K, which is 2,800 bucks more than you bought it for if you were able to, to click fast enough. And it's just like, so there's people who are who think it's overpriced at the list price. 
And then there are still people who think that they they'll they need to have it for ten thousand. And it just it's just a weird thing. It's like it's it's it seems like for certain pieces the brands could charge more if they wanted to. And I don't know whether they're going to start doing that. Whether they're going to I, I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. It seems strange. It's a weird phenomenon. I don't know. I just think on based on market economics, these brands are going to pick up on the fact that they make watches and they sell for significantly more on the secondary market. And so they know people will, well, they are listed for significantly more on the secondary market. And we know that some of them sell. So I have a bad feeling, and I've thought this for a while, that brands are maybe going to start creeping up on the prices of these watches. I mean, just look at the new Speedmaster. I mean, that is slightly more. Granted, it is does have a new movement um and you know other new features on it but it is slightly more expensive than the last speedmaster um so i think brands are starting to pick up on the fact that people will pay more for watches than they may think they will which is unfortunate but just the way this uh this hobby's heading i think i mean i guess here's my question this is the, before we get on to uh, a couple more watches since we're kind of on this topic with the, the Hodinkee release. And uh, the other thing I'll say, I, I made the joke mm-hmm. about crown and caliber. I think of all the things that could happen with, or Hodinkee could purchase uh, crown and caliber. One makes a ton of sense. And two, I have literally no issue with because it's not like they're writing copy for used watches that they're selling. And the interesting thing is, is the market is so liquid with chrono 24 with, you know, all the different watch dealers that sell used, like, if Hodinkee and Crown and Caliber become slightly overpriced, they're not going to sell watches. So it's like, oh, prices are going to go. It's mm-hmm. like they can't unless they're sourcing better stuff. And if that got out, then maybe they could charge a premium because they have better inventory, better product, if you will, or they're sourcing higher mm-hmm. quality or you know better better condition vintage or used watches. But if they're not, like if I see a, a five-digit sub on Chrono 24 and a very similar five-digit sub on Crown and Caliber. The one at Crown and Caliber is 10% more. Guess what I'm doing? I'm going to Chrono 24 and buying that one. So like, whatever. Like this, this is a non-event. It's not, it's a non-event. So um, it just, I'm, you're almost kind of shocked that like it didn't happen sooner. Not necessarily this pairing, but like the fact that they haven't tried to do like, anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess here's my question. So we're talking about like scarcity in watches and, th- you know, just, you know, watches selling for ridiculous stuff on the secondary market. And I know we have a lot more to cover here. So I'm going to try to make this brief for you guys. Let's just take a very basic Note 8 sub. Note 8 sub, watch that is roughly 7500 bucks MSRP. Would you rather like wait a long time to get one of those or kind of play the whole AD game that we know goes on, on, you know, being a good customer, you know, being known to get one of those in Mm -hmm. a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. But knowing that the gray market exists, meaning that there's 50 of them you could go buy if you want to pay 2,500 to 2,500 to three grand more than MSRP. Like you go, if you, if you wanted to buy one of those right now, you had 10 grand, you could go buy one from any number of gray market dealers, probably new in box with an Mm -hmm. unstamped card. You could do that. Or would you rather Rolex make more of them and charge, say, 8500 but then just flood the market with them and say, okay, the price is up by 1000 but it's now an $8,500 watch, but you can get it. Like you can go there, they're in the case. What would you rather have Rolex do? Would you rather have Rolex make that money or would you rather have it be on the gray market? 
Well, I mean, as it sits right now, and this has been my personal opinion on this stuff for a while, I like to call that when you go into an AD and look, or like just browse a catalog and look at watches, you see ghost MSRPs. A sub, a no date sub is not $7,500. A Daytona is not $13,000. Those watches are significantly more because we have to play the AD game and purchase other watches. So a no date sub is probably around 10K if you're playing the AD game. And obviously, Daytonas are probably significantly more than that. So $7,500 isn't $7,500 when you're looking at a no date sub at an AD. Now, you can do the math and maybe buy some pieces and sell them and, you know, get some credit in AD and then maybe get it and lose some money along the way. And you just have to play the math of whether or not you'll be saving more by buying through an AD and doing all that purchasing or buying it through a secondary market and just paying straight up for one with the extra pricing on it. And then to answer your specific question, Spence, I honestly would love for them to raise the prices on these watches to make them more available i think that would be fantastic it's just the world we live in now that the prices are being going up anyway because of the great market so i mean why not go up but buy them so i did i did look it up market. it is the the note 8 sub is now 8100 so they did up it anyway but it does have the new movement in it so it, it's better than the old note 8 which i know was below 8000 um but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just like still make it nine, make it nine, and make it available. You can, yeah, 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 well, yeah. I'd say go for that all day. One hundred percent. I'd rather the people that do the manufacturing that hold the intellectual property uh, make money instead of arbitragers. Oh, sorry, yeah. mm-hmm. I completely agree yeah. with that. I mean, not sorry. And we at all. we know from conversations we've had that Rolex does their quote unquote, does their best to police that. And obviously there's the whole scandal with CD Peacock up in um, Chicago, which would be very interesting to see how it plays out. I did find it very interesting, very interesting that now it's, it's an older edition of road and track, but the new, the first new edition that they came out, that came out to subscribers of road and track and their new kind of uh, fewer issues a year, but thicker, um, thicker magazine, kind of more of a, 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 a just a better magazine if it will if you will there was a piece in there about the former head of ferrari of the of ferrari usa who after he was working at ferrari usa um because ferrari is very it's very the, the how they sell the high-end really desirable cars is very similar to how you kind of see ad's selling the very desirable sport models to uh now granted we're talking about several hundred thousand dollar to million dollar Ferraris versus <laughs> a $9,000 steel watch. So it's, it's different, but um, this guy was essentially busted on like federal racketeering charges for essentially selling influence and helping people skip the line and, and working with dealers to get, so essentially creating a gray market for Ferraris. And I just thought it was really interesting that you have the lawsuit for the firm up in, or the AD up in Chicago breaking within a month of me reading that article in road and track about Friday. Like, and if you think about it, two of the most well-known luxury brands worldwide are Ferrari and Rolex. So I just thought that was very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, just interesting to see those two things happen at the same time. But anyway, so that, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys, you know, let the, let, you know, charge a little bit more, um, and, you know, don't have to play, make them readily available. Like it's, they used to be available three to four years ago. Like they were, I, when I was looking mm-hmm. for my first watch, when I ended up buying the Tudor, when Pierce was born, 
I tried on a sub because they had one in the case. It, they, they had two. They had a date and a no date, and I tried them both on. And just that wasn't in my price range at the time. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? <laughs> I mean, so anyway, just kind of one of those things. Like, I, you could try anything on. Like, it was all there. And then we were there a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, hardly anything in the Rolex case. One, because what comes in goes out. Like, it's what people want. It sells. But they also don't get mm-hmm. as much in as they would like. So um, anyway, uh, moving from one black tag Hoyer, because I think that's what we started on, to another black watch. Uh, the IW, uh, IWC came out with a kind of throwback to their first ceramic chronograph from the 90s. Uh, Spangler, what do you, what's your take on this guy? Um, personally, I'm a big fan of pilot watches. And if I ever down the line choose to get one, it's going to be an IWC. And I love chronographs. And this chronograph design from IWC, this 6912 subdial, which honestly I associate with IWC, I don't really know who started it off first, but when I look at a watch like that, I just associate with IWC. This is like their iconic chronograph, and I am all about it. And the one thing that I really like about this watch is that it has the handset is more akin to the actual vintage handset, like that flat hour marker and the pointed um minute hand even though i think on the originals the minute hand was also flat too like rectangular but i still like the homage aspect of that hour i'm shaking i'm shaking my head at you because the original i'm looking at a picture of it on hodinkee and the original did have a point on the no no i'm saying minute hand i'm saying so yeah, yeah. So that's the, the original 3705. Yes, that one does. Because I'm looking at the Houdini article too. I'm just talking about like their actual like World War II. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the super vintage. Mm-hmm. Like I think, I wish, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But I, I do like the fact that they they um, brought that back with this one. It's a cool, cool design. And it's an iconic IWC watch. So, I mean, for a chronograph and you're going for a pilot watch and you want to be wholly IWC, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I I mean I'll be the first to admit that I don't fully understand uh, IWC. I, I get that they're in Schaffhausen, but uh, really other than that, uh, it's just not a brand that resonates with me. Looks slick though. Mm-hmm. Um, I I could definitely definitely see how how if you you were uh, wanting something like that 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 would just exactly check all the boxes off the 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 rectangular hours hand is pretty neat that is fantastic um i think honestly though if i was going on iwc chronograph this is great but i actually prefer their spitfire chronograph which looks similar to this but in stainless steel that came out uh, a couple years ago yeah the spitfire one is pretty legit um no, I mean, you're right. The, the squared off hour hand, I think, is probably one of the best details. And it's interesting. They have a, a, a picture of them next to the original one, which I got to say, I mean, it, it's funny looking at them next to each other. It looks significantly larger, which it seems to be, but it's still only 41 millimeters, which is a fantastic size, especially for legibility on a chronograph like that. I mean, it that that seems like it's not going to be overly big. It almost makes me want to go back and sh- because I'm looking, I'm trying to, I'm looking through the Hodinkee article, trying to figure out what the three seven zero five actually was. It looks like it had to have been like thirty eight, which I don't know, man. I don't know what those go for. There were there were allegedly less than a thousand made of those, so like it'd probably be really tough to find one. Wow. But man, that 
Yeah. That look in 38 is amazing. <laughs> so they're, they're both good looking watches. Yeah. Um, IWC is a bit of a blind spot for me too, because I know for a long time, kind of what you got from a movement, I know they're upping their movement game quite a bit. And I know for a while, kind of what you got for, for what the price was just seemed to, it just didn't quite seem to fit with me. Mm. And I think, I think mm. Buzzy, maybe this is part of it for you too. Like I'm, I've always kind of been a bracelet guy. Um, at least Mm -hmm. when it comes to buying watches and a lot of their watches are great on straps, but their bracelets, not, this is nothing to do with the quality, like the, the bracelet that comes on the pilot's chronograph, it just doesn't, it's, it, it, I'm sure it's a fine bracelet. I've never actually tried one on just doesn't quite look like something I'd, I'd want. And it's just one of those things like the bracelet design. I'm sure it's comfortable. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it's well-made like that watch looks great on a strap. And for that price, I think I'd want a bracelet that I would actually enjoy wearing. So I think that's kind of why it's a blind spot for me. That said, a ceramic chronograph on the other hand, which my tutor is a ceramic chronograph. You're not gonna get a ceramic bracelet unless you want to spend a ton of money or buy a Rideau, which there's nothing wrong with a Rideau. Um, I own one. Don't worry. Like, anyway, not a ceramic <laughs> when I have the Diastar. Uh, but the uh, like... Ceramic watch on a strap makes a ton of sense. And ceramic's an awesome material. It's really high tech. I like it. This is the Ceritanium, which is even crazier. Uh, it's the ceramicized titanium. Crazy, crazy material. It's a cool watch. It is rather pricey, but uh, I think they nailed it. It looks great. Um, but yeah, they are a bit of a blind spot for me though. Like IWC, like I'm kind of with you, Buzz. They're just not something that's really on my radar. Even though they make a lot, like if you're thinking of a classic Flieger, like there's like... Their pilot's watches are great. Just it's not a style that I am immediately drawn to. I think there's other things that I like a little bit better, but just is what it is. <sighs> okay. Well, riddle me this here before we move on from this watch. What is ceramized or ceramized? I have no idea which one is correct. Uh, titanium. Is it like a ceramic coating on the titanium or I think it's forged in a different way? I think way? it's like part of the – so here's what I'm going to tell you and all of our listeners – uh, go read the Hodinkee article for the Spitfire one or the, the IWC limited edition that they did because they really got into how that is made. And I don't think it's a ceramic coating a la like a PVD or something like that. I think it is actually mixed in with a titanium somehow to make it both mm-hmm. very lightweight and very scratch resistant, but I'm not quite sure how they do it. I do know that when that Hodinkee LE came out about a year ago, I read about it. I was like, this is some crazy cool stuff. And then I don't really remember a lot about how they make it, but I know it's in one of the articles. Go read about the IWC limited edition that they did. It is actually really crazy how they do it. It just, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. So, all right. Should we dive into the mess that is the Seiko releases? (laughs) Let's do it. This is our our Seiko section. There's just so many of them. Between Seiko and Grand Seiko, they released, what, like 15, 20 watches the last week? Um, It's too many to keep in track. I I tried keeping track of my bet. I think it's at this point, it's February. It's two drops, and it's seven specific watches for their 140th, um, which – Okay, let's start in Seiko, and then we'll move into Grand Seiko, and then we'll close it out. Um, I think the one we need to talk about mm-hmm. first is the one that I think is getting all of the press, at least all the people who are saying, I like the way this looks. It's the SPB213. Is that the right reference number? Mm-hmm. Essentially, the white with the blue bezel. That's the 62 mass reinterpretation. What do you guys think? Gorgeous. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> you nailed it on the head, Buzz. Yeah. Um, too, too many great colorways on, on that model in general, but I really love the, the white and blue. Good work. Good work. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, personally, I am a sucker for white dialed watches. I don't have enough of them, and that's one of my biggest gripes in my collection. And so when I saw this, I uh, had a little bit of a mouth wide open drooling <laughs> over my computer looking at this type of moment because uh, it, this watch looks great in a white dial and great choice on the blue bezel, I think. That does seem to be the colorway um, they're going for for their um, 140th anniversary because they had a Sleiko 5 come out in that yeah, color. That right. just seems to be the direction they're going, which is it's a good colorway. I actually like it quite a bit. But Yeah, I mean, it's a hot color. But that uh, Seiko five uh, reference there. I really like that one too. Although I don't know if I like the colorway enough to like hold my nose and buy one with that new Seiko five logo on it. I yeah. don't like that logo. It's trying too hard to be like the cool S from the nineties that would be graffiti on various things. Uh, I, I understand that the Seiko five is better than Rolexes and paddocks, according to the, the mad lads at uh, Reddit uh, watches circle jerk. Yeah. You know. But ooh, I do not like that. The new five logo just does not do it for me. I will say this. I agree with you guys. I think the colorway is absolutely gorgeous. The one thing that I don't like, and I guess this is kind of out of their control because we talked about it a little bit with the Marine Master uh, 200 and 300 that they did. Uh, the little loom plot next to the date window. I know I, I've now been informed by multiple people. I guess it, they read it in an article somewhere that I haven't read. That it's for the new ISO uh, dive watch certification um, for that marker at three. It has to be there, I guess. So like that's kind of like the one little misstep because it's not on on last year's versions of the SPVs. Um, so like, I don't mean it's, it's not, it's a small one on a white dial. It is significantly less noticeable than it is on the green Marine master 300 and 200. Um, but like, that's the only little gripe. It's a gorgeous watch that said, I don't think I'm trading my one four nine in for it. Let's put it that way. Like it's, it's a gorgeous watch. I like it quite a bit. I now have two silver dial chronographs and a white dial, uh, Seamaster. I'm going to stick with my blue one four nine for the time being. Um, but it's a fantastic looking watch nonetheless. Um, I think the other thing that we should talk about next, um, now that we talked about th probably the hottest of the Seiko releases that came out, I'm not talking about you yet, Grand Seiko, um, something that <laughs> we have long been harping on. And I think at some point over the summer or in the fall, we talked about um, when Mido came out with their, um, it was a bigger watch and this is a bigger watch. Their, um, like their flyer GMT that Swatch put that, like that flyer GMT Powermatic 80 in a Mido for like 1200 bucks. Uh, the Seiko Presage Sharp Edge GMT for what, 1400 bucks? True flyer GMT. I'd love to, like I said, the renders look interesting. Um, I don't want to say that it, like the, it's got a lot going on because it's got uh, central seconds, it's got the GMT, it's got a power reserve, and it's got a, um, like a pointer date that looks like a sub second dial. There's a lot going on. Um, I'd like to see one in person. I have seen the sharp edge dials in person. They look amazing. 
These watches look a little bit busy. I'm sure at 42, they're going to wear just fine. They're not going to be overly thick. I love the fact that Seiko actually has this movement. I just, I'm ap I'm cautiously apprehensive about what these are going to look like in person. Yeah, I I am not as uh, bullish uh, on on these ones. And I know everybody should be saying, Buzz, it's true GMT for 1400 What are you talking about? But then I would tell you, they, the display, the dial is just too busy. It's a cool movement, but boy, I wish that they left off the, the date. The date, I'm sorry, it reminds me a little bit of like an Invicta, like multi-function dial where they're just slapping random stuff on sub-dials and, and calling it good. And it really kills me too, because I would love to have a, a true GMT. I would also love to have one with a power reserve. I don't have any power reserve watches, and I think power reserves are really cool. But that that date just kills me. But and a date window would have been fine. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. Not one at 430. Oh, I mean, fair. But, but like a three or at six <laughs> would have probably been okay, right? Three, probably. Um, yeah, it, it, it also has, does it have the strange rehot that's two colors, but it's not the, the, the lines where the colors change aren't exactly at three and nine. They're offset a little bit. See, I actually don't mind that. I think it does. And I actually, that's not a design thing that I have. Cause I actually really like the grand Seikos that have that same thing. I agree with you on the date. I do just kind of want to see these in person. God, my, my fantasy would be if that movement fits in an SPB case, like the 149, or even the Willard, wouldn't it be so cool to have a Willard GMT with that movement with a normal date window at three? Like throw that movement and a GMT bezel on the SPB lines, on the on the Willards and on the, the 62 Mastery Edition, they would sell so many of those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think people are... People are clamoring for more true GMTs, and ever since ETA and the Swatch Group came out with that, uh, whatever the the Mido movement is yeah. called, I think that's ushering in a, a new line of watches that are, you know, appeasing the enthusiast with this true GMT function. And Seiko now is the next one to hop on that. But as both of you guys have said, this dial is way too busy way too much stuff going on even from the texture on it it's just crazy and i i've got a couple other gripes with a couple of the presage line seikos that are super busy dials like they have a power reserve one that it's just got stuff going on all over the place and we were talking uh before we started recording here and just to keep it simple yeah for a lot of these watches just don't go over the top keep it simple go with what you know people like and that's a formula that will work and you know, Seiko, you're almost there, but for me, this, like you guys said, this this dial is just all over the place. So let me let me like, just pop I like something here though, real quick. One of the things that I do know about Seiko mm -hmm. is they have no qualms about selling their movements, or at least certain movements, to some of our favorite micro brands. Mm -hmm. And I know obviously Swatch Group is not going to be selling that Powermatic 80 GMT to anybody anytime soon. And I know that there's issues with Swatch and Etta selling stuff to other brands at this point. Anyway, do you think Seiko's got the balls to sell that to whoever wants to buy it? 
Because, I mean, let's be real. And this is not a knock on the Soprod that's in your Laurier Hyperion. It's a great movement and a great wash. Could you imagine that, though? I mean, I, I know they've used Seiko, and now they use Miyota movements in some. This is, you know, they, they, they went Soprod for the GMT. Could you imagine that with this Seiko GMT movement in it as a flyer and maybe a little bit more expensive? I don't know how much this movement costs Seiko. I mean, it's in a $1,400 Seiko. Like, I... Do you think you could get that into like a $900 Laurier and have a, I mean, it'd probably be thicker. It's, I think that's like a 13 and a half, but I mean, 13 and a half isn't that bad. Like what's the Laurier? How thick is that? Oh, it's okay. thin. It's like 10. Maybe. Okay. So maybe that wouldn't work, but like, I don't know. I, I think people, could, I say, Buzz, you, you got it. People could do some cool, cool stuff with this. And like, come on, Seiko, sell know. it to people. I, <laughs> I do, <laughs> of all the colorways, the black dialed one, I mean, it's, I guess I'd have to see it. I, I do, when I, I look at that, I, I do like that that with, with the, the red GMT. I still think the dial's busy. I would have to see it on my wrist. The other colorways do not do anything. It is. It's a very busy dial. I will say, though, the time only or the time and date sharp edge presages that I've seen in person that dial is gorgeous. It does way more than it should for that price point. So that is, there's a lot going on. I kind of, like I said, that date needs to be a date window, like full stop. Yep. It needs to be a date window or nothing at all. Yeah. That's fine. It's okay. That's fine. It's okay to not have a bunch of fiddly bits. It's okay. Shall we move to the Grand Seiko? Are there any Seikos we're no, missing? No, to the mountains. Oh, yeah. To the mountains. To the boys. mountains, but with divers. The mountains, absolutely. Mountains with divers. Oh, and oh, <laughs> shoot, there's alpinists too. Crap. We may have to cover Grand Seiko next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are we doing Are we doing the, the mountain diver or the mountain alpinist? I mean, I was thinking the alpinist. Okay, let's start with the alpinists. I want let's the, go alpinist. the alpinists. And then we'll talk about the mid-tier Willard after that, briefly. Yes, what do you guys think? I I think they're great, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, it almost gives me the same feeling when I look at this watch, especially like they came out with three dial options, the green, the black, and the cream. Um, I'm looking at this personally, and the cream is leagues above the other two, in my opinion, in terms of how it looks. Obviously, there is a tinge of Fotina on it, but I'm in the camp that I don't really care. I honestly kind of like it. If you're going for that aesthetic rocket, who cares? You're not going to try and pass this off as a vintage watch, and no vintage watch enthusiast is going to think this is vintage. So what's the big deal? It gives me sort of the same feeling I got when I saw the Green Willard come out last year. It These watches look great. They look like vintage-style alpinists and seiko did a great job of this stuff and again we were talking before the show the one thing they could have done is just not have the date window on there and uh, and that is my biggest gripe about these watches but aside from that i honestly it's not even the biggest deal in my opinion i just think it's one small thing that they could have changed but you know i think these watches are great Seiko did a great job with this yeah, I like it quite a bit. I would not go with the cream because cash does not roll everything around me. Um, I'd go with the gray dial. Um, mm-hmm. I I think the 
the dates fine the way the way they did it. I mean, obviously the date would be more true. Um, but I think it would be cool to have an Alpinist logo on there. Yeah, somewhere like yeah, throw, that would be cool. Throw, throw the pro specs on the case back or something like yeah. But it's that's pretty. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's hard to beat because it's a it's a niche product, right? And seven hundred fifty dollars can buy you a heck of a lot. They can, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's very neat for for what it is, and it's also just very um, nice, very nice change that um, you're not getting like wrung out to dry just because like they've got something that is uh, vintage ask i mean they, they could have pumped the the price up on this more well so and... they did on the one yeah we'll, we'll get into that in a second and i mean which one was it was the one that was kind of the true it's got a different movement in it which doesn't really justify the price increase um, and it's the one that comes on the bund and the like the leather. It's like the original. It also has the date at four thirty, which I don't like. But you, well, hold on. It's a color match date wheel, and you do get the symmetry of the original no date alpinist. So like I, this that or the other. But like, it's kind of like that King Seiko reedition they did. It's a three thousand dollar limited edition. So like it's it's steep for what it is, but like it looks the most like the original. Um, but I mean, that kind of being said, you know, the, the, the date, the, the not having the Alpinist logo, we were talking with uh, Mike Stockton, or I was via text, because he conveniently wore his original Alpinist the day before, uh, or the day that Seiko was releasing theirs. I was like, ah, oh, funny you wore your your original Alpinist that you've got the day that this comes out. He goes, yeah, I may have known it was coming, um, you know, being it. <laughs> Yeah, well, he, he actually did the write-up of them for Fratello, which I was kind of expecting him to. Yeah. Because it's funny. I, I joke. I was like, hmm, article, vintage Seiko. It's got to be Mike. <laughs> like, yes. like, anytime I see anything on Fratello about vintage Seiko, I was like, that's you, isn't it? Like, I don't even have to, I don't have to open it. Like, I know you wrote this, <laughs> um, which is great. Because um, vintage Seiko doesn't get the love. It's getting more love now, but it's, it doesn't get the love for a while that it deserved. Um but I think I think all kind of jokes aside, the date, the logo, whatever. I'm still gl- like I'm I'm more happy that these exist than I am upset about the small kind of things I wish they would have done differently. Like yes, it would be great to have an Alpinist logo on there. Which again, I don't understand why they don't do that. That just seems silly. Um, and then yeah, would it be mm-hmm. awesome to have no date? Yes, it would. But like, this is as close as you can get. It, it's a great piece. Like it's a great. Like I'm I'm excited that that Seiko is at least. For a like, this is you're right. These are clearly niche watches. Like, I'm glad that they exist. Like, I'm glad that Seiko's like, yeah, someone's gonna like this. I'm gonna do this. Like, that's really cool. That's really cool to me. Um, so before we move into Grand Seiko, we should talk about the Mountaineering Limited Edition Willards that or one limited and one not that came out. Which this this Buzz, I don't know if this like kind of meets your your question, your, your better not, because like, I'm sure they're going to come out with new colorways. 
probably to help you out for the bet on the more expensive versus less expensive and probably to help me out. You know, there's a blue and white Willard coming out. You know, there's a blue and white one coming for the 140th. You know, there is, they just did the SPB. You mm-hmm. know, there's a blue and white one coming out. Just wait for it. If you, if you like, you're like, Oh, I like the blue and white color combination, but it's not a Willard. Give it two months. It'll be out. Like just let's <laughs> be real. They're coming out with it. Um, just like they did with the blue and gold colorway for the 55th divers on the Willard two months later after the SPB 149 came out, they're going to do it. Just give them time. Um, the, uh, it's kind of like in that mid tier, it has the date at 4:30, which we don't really like, but like, it's got some of the, the higher end. It has some Zeratsu polishing. It's got a better movement, not the top grade. That's the high beat. That's in the $4,200 Willard that is out there on a strap. This one comes on a strap or on a strap and a bracelet, which is pretty cool. Um, or on a, like, I don't know. I don't exactly can't remember, but like the gray dial with the black bezel looks great. And that's the non-limited. The one that's limited is blue. It, it I mean, it's, it's from a Japanese mountain climber. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like, this is his limited edition. It's got that like step on the case edge that is poly- it, like, it's an interesting piece for like just about 3000. It's going to sit next to the Marine master in the case. Like that is the price point. That is exactly where it's going. It's it's weird that it wasn't there already. Kind of, in a way. Although they just started coming back out with these in the last two years. But like, it's weird that they've got like, hey, if you like the Willard and don't want to spend a lot of money, or it's still a lot of money, but like you want to spend the least amount of money, there's this one for 1300 bucks. If you want to spend a little bit more, but not quite a lot, there's this one for like three grand. And if you want to spend a lot of money, we probably like, let's be real. They, they're assuming that these have all sold, but you can find them. There's this one for 4,200 bucks. So depending on what your budget is, if you really like this K shape and they're all different sizes, there's 42, 43 and 44. Like it's just, it's, it's a weird strategy. <laughs> Bold move. Yeah, Pat. exactly. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right Bold it. move. Let's see if it pays off for them. I don't know. It is- it is a very strange strategy, but we've seen Seiko have been doing this with a lot of other model lines recently. So I guess this is what they're going to be trying to rock with here in the coming decade. But uh, yeah, like you said, Spence, you have three different pricing options for these Seikos. You have like $1,300 one, this one for what, like yeah. three, I want to say, 29 somewhere right around that. And then the $4,200 one, which you can get at our friend's R&P yeah, right cool. now. And since I've actually looked into it, yeah. You actually can get that for a much better deal, secondary too. So if you are interested, they're out there for pretty good deals. Um, the one thing that like makes me just wonder is that it's a pretty big jump from the the thirteen hundred dollar to the three thousand dollar one. And if you really like this watch, why would you just stop at the three K one and just go for the the best one? For forty two, why why stop at three k? Unless you are a big fan of, and I'm on the Houdinki, I'm on Houdinki, so his name is Naomi Yumora. I'm probably I'm sure I butchered that, but I don't I don't really care. Um, unless you're a big fan of him, or you want to, I guess. But this one's also limited, and the higher end one is also limited. Bracelet. So I, yeah, yeah, you have the bracelet. I I don't know if if you're buying this watch, you have to be a fan of the Willard, obviously. And like in my opinion, there are I'm with you guys. There are plenty of watches that I think absolutely have to come on the bracelet, 100. percent But if you're getting a Willard, those never really were on the bracelet. So if you're big, a big enough Willard fan, I don't know if they really should be worn on a bracelet. 
So, I mean, that's my one thing. Um, Unless it's on a Jubilee. I don't know. I... It's a topic for another time. Whispering sweet nothings to me over here about Jubilees. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but uh, honestly, I like these because I'm a big fan of the Willard in general. I just don't know if I understand the pricing model that Sega is going after with these. But the dial in the blue one is very good. That texture dial, very good. Great job, Seiko, on that. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would buy the cheapy and call it good. Uh, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the market for the uh, the higher priced ones, uh, just because I, I don't get it, uh, for for lack of a better term. I will say that slick though. Yeah, it, I mean, they look good, and I Seiko can do whatever they want. They're vertically integrated. It's all in house, and they're not publicly traded. So as long, uh-huh. and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. <laughs> so, so speaking I, of, yeah, go ahead. I, I do like the, the fact that they had put in enough of, of the content from the, the high end Willard, like the, the fact that they did work in some Zeratsu and yeah, they, they did a good job segmenting, this model out yeah um and and that's that's difficult if you've got three tiers to to segment mm-hmm. a, a, a single watch design yeah i mean they're it's an interesting like if you like the willard you're gonna like this one it just depends on how much you want to spend so yeah. speaking of spending more money on seiko's grand seiko was also going at it this week um i think I think of the ones that we sh- we should obviously start with the new seasons collection uh, that they came out with, which these are all now GMTs, which I actually really like the added functionality of it. Um, the dial on the winter one is eerily reminiscent of the blizzard that I have. And I think my favorite thing about all of these, you know, they, they did the um, two of them are high beat GMTs, two of them are spring drive. Um, I like that it's kind of a unique case shape. Like I, I'm not as familiar with their entire catalog, but to me, this looks like an entirely new case shape for the seasons collection, which the last seasons collection used this, a very, a a case shape that is, has been around in their design language for quite some time. Don't get me wrong. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous case shape. I think it's the same that I have in the, SBGE 249, the, the Grand Seiko that I own, the, the Blizzard Timeless Luxury Limited Edition. But I love that they're saying, hey, this is kind of a new special collection and it's a completely new case design. And then the dials, again, they're, it's it's a Grand Seiko dial that they actually tried on. I mean, they have the, all their dials are gorgeous, even their flat ones, but like these are ones they were trying to do some crazy stuff with. And guess what? They succeeded because they're Grand Seiko because they know what they're doing. Um I, I, yeah, I don't know which one is my favorite. I tend towards the winter, but that probably wouldn't be the one I would buy because it's dial is very similar to the one that I already own. Um, the black one for fall is pretty legit. I think, I think of the four that might be my favorite. The, yeah. The, the fall is my favorite, um, which is, yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to, to pick a, a favorite here because, I mean, 
they're, they're killing that. It's great. Um, I love the, love the artistry that, that they're able to bring to the table. Um, yeah, I, I, I lean toward the fall. Same. Yeah. Uh, I, honestly, I'm more a fan of the spring, which I know this watch kind of looks, and I want to say it was Topper's limited edition GMT Seiko that they did, or it's, it's some AD, but it's it's a green dial GMT that looks eerily similar to this, but I don't know if that one had the high beat movement in it. I think it was just a regular automatic from Grand Seiko. Um, I personally like that one the best. And, you know, when you look at these, these are time, they tried and true Seiko, Grand Seiko GMT designs. Um, I, although I don't know if they've done, obviously the, the summer and the spring have the, uh, I guess, inner, like next to the numerals on the inside part being the GMT number way. The fall and the winter have the GMT numbers on the outside of, on the outside track, which I don't know if they've done that before on one of their GMT tiles. So the, and it looked no, it I like it, it, the the dials are very unique, especially the printing of the GMT track. At least from what I've seen, uh, the one I have, it's on the Riho, yeah. so it's not even really on the dial. It's on the oh, Riho, okay. Um, which I you know, I mean yeah. these they, it, these look completely different from anything I've seen from them. From a case shape, from a, I mean the dials are, I mean they're awesome Grand Seiko dials. So in that way, they're similar to other awesome Grand Seiko dials, but also very different. I can see echoes and other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not as much of a grand Seiko scholar to say, Oh, they've done that same printed. They've done the same 24 hour track in that location on other pieces. So I, I don't really know, but it, they, they look unlike the previous seasons, which again, were gorgeous pieces. They look, they don't look like anything else I've, I see in their catalog right now, which maybe that case shape is going to find its way into other new models as well. But I like it. I like that they're pushing the envelope. They're trying something new. It's a new, like it, it they're great looking watches. I love them. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing, I don't have any gripes with these watches. I think they look great. They're tried and true Seiko, Grand Seiko GMT designs, and they just made them into a fall of the seasons collection, which they've already had success with, with their other seasons. So why not make it into a watch that, obviously probably sells very well. Mm. So good on them. They've done a country rings, huh? Uh, well, we should, I, so before we hit the granddaddy, we should hit the, uh, the new sport one that they did. They did, they came out with some new, and I think one of them was an anniversary edition. They came out with some new, of the GMT spring drives. And I'm trying to pull up a picture of the old one to see what's different because they're slightly different colorways. I think the Riho ring is a little bit different. I'm trying to figure out what's different, though. <laughs> uh, did, did they decrease the size on it, or is it the same size? I don't know. Give me a second. Give me a second. Yeah, this was one of those releases that uh, I, I saw, and I said this before on the podcast. I'm not the biggest fan of Grand Seiko Sport GMTs. I just don't like the design of them in general, and I know i can probably going to get some flack from that from – some people, but I just personally think that it just doesn't resonate very well. The whole thing, it just doesn't jive together. Um, so I wish when they came out with these new watches, they would have done maybe a bit more of an overhaul rather than just stick with the same old formula they've been using. But then again, that is Grand Seiko. That is their style when it comes to these kind of watches. 
Um, so I can't fault them for that. But just personally, I think if it got a little bit of a revamp and changed up a few things on it, these watches could be pretty good. But as it sits now, they just don't resonate with me, which is a shame because I love Grand Seiko and I like sport watches. So I just wish they'd come out with one that, or more, more of them that would speak to me because I think personally the best watch they have out right now is the spring seasons edition, the SPGA 413, I want to say off the top of my head. That watch is fantastic, and it's the one that our friend Bro has. Yes, he does have that one. Um, and that is more of a strap beast yeah, I than I think we all thought with the pink hue. It's it's It looks great on a lot of stuff. Uh, so two things. One, um, I mm-hmm. still can't – I can't find them on the website, and I can't find them on another – like, they're out there. There's something new about them. I don't know what it is. We'll move on because we're running short on time. <laughs> uh, we forgot about the white – what a Seiko, yeah, thing, a Seiko to do. thing to do. There's something different about them. I don't know what it is. They're clearly new, but they're not. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, before we get into the, the tree rings, which whew, gorgeous, uh, the white birch, mm-hmm. the white birch, everybody, which has their new high beat caliber with the new escapement. Um, some people are saying that this dial might even be better than the snowflake. I've not seen a snowflake in person. I've not seen this in person. Really excited to see this one in person, yeah. but it is almost $10,000. It is pricey. I know they got to make the money on the new movement that they put in it. It is gorgeous though. I mean, I'll give them that like their dial work is still just unbelievable. Yeah, it is what they're known for. And this one is just fantastic. They did a great job on it. And I mean, a lot of the grand sacred dials, like, you kind of have to use your imagination when they say it looks like, oh, you know, a Mount Tawate or what have you. This one, you look at this, it looks like bark on a tree. It really does. <laughs> it looks like birch. This one, you can look at that and be like, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like tree bark. And obviously the new movement is great. 80-hour power reserve, fantastic. Um, you know, I, I have no gripes with this watch. I, I'm with you, Spence. I would really love to see it. too. Because it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks what do you think, Buzzy? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the incisive commentary that uh, you get following this podcast. They, incisive to the point. they can do little wrong. They really can. I'm certain they could do wrong if they tried to, and it would be like the best wrong <laughs> anyone's ever done. Um, <laughs> Grand Seiko is a brand that we truly do not deserve as uh, watch enthusiasts. So, so clutch. So let's so get good. to, let's get to the piece de resistance. I don't know if I'm using that correctly. The, yeah. the tree ring. Yeah. yeah. Price price. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tree ring platinum anniversary edition, although it wasn't a Seiko. So we're not going to count it um, for the bet for the lead pipe lock. Uh, was it my lead pipe lock? I don't know. No, that was my lead pipe lock. That was something else. Anyway, um, the Platinum Tree Ring Anniversary Edition. Oh, my goodness, is this thing gorgeous. But, oh, my goodness, is this thing expensive. <laughs> it, it does not count as a wooden watch. I just want to make that really clear. Yes. <laughs> Wood-inspired watch. Uh, which seems like it would be a better watch than a, an actual wood 
watch would. <laughs> How do you like that for a tongue twister? <laughs> That's the sort of juvenile stuff you sign up for when you listen to our podcast. This is why we pay the big bucks, Buzz. That's right. It's so good looking, though. <laughs> it's such a good looking watch. It's so subtle. You, th- you really think so? I mean, it just, I'm looking at this thing and it is so subtle. Like, if you were looking at this from across the room, it looked like a black dialed watch. And then you get it up close and just it. Yeah. I'm never going to, I'm, uh, let's, I'm not going to say, never say never, but like, there is a, very, very, very high probability that it'd be. I'm not going to see one of these in person. Um, just because, but like, yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely love to because, like, it, it just it looks like it's one of those that's going to absolutely just be unbelievable. Um, if you can see the dial in person, I mean, platinum case, really awesome, really awesome, awesomely shaped case. And here's the weird thing. Does that picture kind of look like if you threw a dive bezel on, it looks kind of like a skin diver, like not to insult this gorgeous Grand Seiko dress watch, but like that kind of looks a little, it looks a little like my SPB 149 from the side, which is a great case shape. Don't get me wrong. Um, But rendered in platinum, 59,800 bucks. I'm never going to see one of these, but uh, with their new caliber in it, I mean, it looks absolutely unbelievable. I, I don't think I would go that far as to call it unbelievable. And it just is one of those ones that doesn't really resonate that really? much with me. Also, why the hell is it $60,000? Seiko, that makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, I look at this watch and it's a great looking Seiko. Every, or Grand Seiko. Everything about it is just perfect. Numerals, uh, uh, hands, indices. It's great, but... To me, nothing pops. It's designed really well, but nothing about it really pops. And sure, the dial looks great, but I feel like you have to get up close with a magnifying glass to see some of these details. Because, like, right, like you said, Spence, you can you see it from across the room. Is this going to look like a black dial? But even like I'm looking at these high res photos on Hodinkee, like uh, some of these texture things on this dial are hard to see even from I don't know centimeters away. Um, but I can't argue with the design quality of this watch. I mean, it's designed perfect. I just don't think personally anything about it really pops for me. And, you know, this is one of those scratch your head type moments, but why is this $60,000? I mean, I I know, understand it's a limited edition and we can, and we have talked about limited edition culture when it comes to watches and sort of the free reign, it gives brands to charge whatever they want to charge for it. But I don't know. This one's sort of just a head scratcher for me. It's a beautiful watch. At least it's in platinum, right? I mean. At least it's in platinum. At least you get some bang for your buck when you're buying this thing. Yes. Yeah. I I, I would not um, think about it, whether it makes sense uh, in in the context of of buying it for 60 grand, because it has to make sense in the context of this is an LE to to kick off you know the the new series nine stuff yeah it's 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 meant to be a show-off piece and mm-hmm. the whole 140 of them that they make are going to go to people that 
would much prefer the watch versus to still have their sixty thousand dollars. I mean, it, it's it's purely a a show of of force and of of skill, and in as in as much as that makes sense, it, it it's a watch that makes sense. So here's one thing I will say that I am noticing. In the even in the high res Hodinki pictures, I would agree with you, Spangler. The dial is still very subtle. However, it does seem like mm-hmm. they're highlighting that the brushing on the case is also yes. kind of reminiscent of the tree bark or the tree rings that they're sewing. So, my guess is that is probably very difficult to do. <laughs> I don't want to say that it justifies yeah, sixty I'm, I'm, grand. But I'm looking at that saying there's something more to those, the brushing on that case. Yeah, I, I'm looking at that too now that you pointed it out. And yeah, that brushing is, it's, it is different. It's going in different directions. So there was definitely some thought put into that. The more I look. I mean, at it's Grand Seiko. You know, there's thought put into it. There's probably, there's, there's more thought I, than there, there is in a lot of other people. Like I just. I like. Yeah. I want to be in a position. I don't want to say I want to be in a position to buy. Like that, no, but like I would love to just see one of these somewhere. Just see it somewhere. I like just. And the funny thing is, is the person you know the person wearing that you know that watches for them. They don't like, and that is. Mm-hmm. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, and I'll, I guess we can close it out on this. And I'm glad we talked about this watch last. Like spending whatever you want to spend to get that hype sport Rolex, Nautilus, whatever. That's cool. Spending what you're going to spend to get this watch again, it is insane to spend 60 grand on a watch. Let's put that out there. Grandpa's listening. It is absolutely mm. nuts to spend that kind of money on a watch. But that person who bought that watch bought it for them because nobody else knows what that is. Exactly. Nobody else knows what that is. And if you want to spend $60,000 on a watch for you, it sure as hell better be for you. And yeah. I, I can't, I have a hard time. I mean, I, I don't know all the watches out there, but like it is real. I, I, you'll, you will find you'd be hard pressed to find another $60,000 watch that is as subtle, but is as gorgeous and detailed as this one probably will be in person. I could be completely wrong on that. I have not seen person that watch is for the 140 people who are going to buy it and they don't really care what anybody else thinks. And I love that. Mm-hmm. And I want to mute. It's always good to highlight one of the golden rules of watches. Exactly. Buy what makes you happy. Even if it costs 60 grand, if you have the means, go for it. And on that note, Buy in case me. anybody's listening, if anybody, <laughs> yep. if any of our listeners were on the fence about that $60,000 grand Seiko, you go for it. And then you come to Cincinnati and show it. To <laughs> we want to see it. Hell yes. Open invitation. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yes, it's time to end. Thanks everybody for tuning in. That was a long one. Thank you, Seiko. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. <laughs> See ya. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts, so don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, 
visit our website at zeitzwatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z-E-I-T-Z. 